Ah, we are live. Hello, dear Starshines. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's Lunchtime Chats. For those of you who are new, my name is Christina and I'm an acceleration expert. And we are here for those to talk about those topics and issues for us that are significant for us starseeds, way showers, and new paradigm visionaries. And I'm here to, to give, to the best of my ability, a liberated perspective to these topics and issues that we face on a daily basis. You know and I know that we have capacities and abilities that are not embraced by our larger human family, and therefore we have very unique ways that we look at things. And oftentimes these ways get very, very challenging, um, not only because it creates um, these conundrums within ourselves, but also because we are so often alone in these perspectives. So, so I'm here to connect with you and let you know that you're not alone and also see what I can do to help lighten up the load, lighten up this heaviness sometimes that we're carrying because we just see things in the way that we see them. So as you join in, go ahead and put a comment, say hi, let me know you're there. And as you guys can see, I'm still in lovely Mexico. I'll be here for a while longer. Um, I'm in, I am in a public place, but um, yeah, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. You never know when some music is going to turn on or some kind of shenanigans is going to happen. So uh, I'm just going to put the thought form out there that we will be able to um, converse freely with no interruptions. So the topics that we are here to talk about. Um, I posted, so, all right, so these, uh, there's a few things. One, I wanna talk about the earth changes. As you guys know, many of you guys are, are um, hearing news about the earthquake in Syria, uh, Turkey and Turkey. Um, I wanna talk about that and some other things that are connected into those sorts of, so, sorts of um, events. And I have a couple comments that were taken from both YouTube and our Telegram group. So hello, hello, hello. Uh, hey, Susan, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, Beverly. Oh, she says, I'm jealous. You can wear that tank top. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting. It's actually surprisingly um, mild for this time of year. Um, when I was here several years ago at this time, it was way, way hotter than it is right now. So, so yeah, there, there's been a cooling going on across the globe, I believe. Uh, hey, Tony, good to see you. All right, so for those of you who are not familiar on how, the, how you can connect with us and participate in the creation of these chats, I want to let you know there's several ways to do this. You can, of course, you know, in the, in the chat videos, either the entire lunchtime chat or in the clips, you can post your comments and questions and tag me on them. And you can also um, uh, tag and comment, make comments within our Facebook community, Rise of the Multidimensional Human our Telegram group, which is just multidimensional human. And then of course we're on Instagram, multidimensional accelerator. And our YouTube channel, of course, you guys know because you're here, but I'll just say it for the video. Uh, anyway, it's the Light Body Academy on YouTube. So the, all these different ways are, are great uh, mediums for us to communicate and get feedback. And I really appreciate all of you guys who are here live and all of you guys who give feedback. Um, questions and also additional thoughts um, to the topics that we talk about because this is a conversation and as you guys know multidimensional living isn't about this having someone tell you who you think knows more than you tell you how it is it's more about introducing thoughts 
communications, figuring out how to have a conversation to explore to explore where you are at in relationship to these different events, where you are personally at in relationship to these different perspectives. So that means, uh, you know, you're not being talked to like, this is the way it is. It's like, no, we're sharing ideas, we're sharing perspectives, we're sharing um, opinions. And then we get the opportunity to see uh, where we are on that particular topic. That's what sovereignty is. That's, that's what mental sovereignty is. It's not that you have to go along with a narrative, but hey, we really want you to think about these things, feel into these things, use your multidimensional senses into these different topics and issues and see where are you with this, okay? All right, so we have a couple different um, comments that I want, to, I want to go into. Oh, oh, and also I want to post the last, um, um, a very recent video, um, I'm going to post a link here in the chats. This is a very recent video from Suspicious Observer. So he does a, a report every morning, depending on what time zone you're in, at like 5 o'clock in the morning, every single morning. And, uh, and he, he gives the what's been happening in the past 24 hours with the sun and what kind of breakthroughs are happening in the research scientific community um, around solar weather and, and stellar events. And uh, well, he also talks a lot about catastrophism too, but I, I put, I cast that aside. That part's not really what I'm interested in. I'm really interested in the data because that data helps me um, uh, feel into things, see what's going on. So there's been a lot of solar flare activity. There's been um, a really significant coronal hole that has been stimulating magnet, magnetic shifts within this planet. And I post this video because um, he is in that video, he correlates how the sun influences the magnetic, the magnetics, electromagnetics of this planet, particularly the shifting of the poles. Okay. Because uh, as I've talked about many times in these chats, that these are all conscious beings that are interacting within the solar ring. It, it's not just, you know, a rock spinning with a bunch of people on it. No, 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 no. There is a being that is choosing to have beings come and, and live on the crust and live within and, and, be in, and have this interconnectedness with everything around it. Interconnected with Venus and interconnected with Mars. Interconnected with all these planets. Interconnected with the sun. Interconnected with even... This, the center of the Milky Way galaxy and even the cosmos at large. So this interconnection piece is really, really essential for me when I'm looking at these different narratives because it, it triggers things within me when I, when I see these events, when, when I um, witness them through different lenses. So I'm posting that video. It's a short, it's like three minutes long. That's another reason why I like this guy. He, he just is short and sweet and to the point. Um, but one of his points um, several days ago was that, you know, there's massive coronal hole in the northern hemisphere of the sun that was facing us. And, and those that have been watching him for a really long time know, can put the dots together and realize that that means there's going to be significant uh, magnetic shifting, which usually equates to earthquakes, tsunamis and or volcanoes erupting. And of course, what happens? The Syrian, this, um, within, within just several hours of that that coronal hole um, coming into the range of impacting this planet, um, there's a massive earthquake in the Middle East. So, so uh, this is really um, significant for us to 
uh, I would say, reconcile within ourselves. Because if we go, if we take the uh, the mainstream idea of how all this works, then there's no hope. We're gonna we're screwed. Humanity's screwed, y'all. <laughs> you know. But as multidimensionals and with this interconnectedness and with these nesting dolls of consciousness, we understand that there is a much bigger, bigger drama being played out. And we are a part of the drama. We have a contribution to make to the great drama. So does it mean catastrophe for this entire planet? Not necessarily. Okay. And, and there's been other narratives out there as well as far as, um, you know, population, population annihilation and all this other stuff. Um, but I won't go down that rabbit hole. Maybe um, next week we can talk about it because we have lots to talk about here answering these questions to um, a couple of these star shines that that have reached out with their with their thoughts so um, one is from a dear star shine uh, let's see where where do I have your comment hold on I have to draw up your comment so I can talk about it all right so this is specifically she says it's about good bad right being careful about good bad right or wrong but it's really about timeline jumping but um, she goes question and this is in reference to a lunchtime chat a couple weeks ago, and I think it was at the 22, the 22 minute and 59 second mark. Um, she says the question about being careful not to label good, bad, right or wrong, um, or finding fault and duality combining this um, and duality combining this with the timeline jumping. So she's combining the idea of good, lot, good of our emotional, physical, um, physiological charge with our ideas about finding something fault, finding fault within something and or bringing something into the, the um, good or bad or right or wrong. And then, uh, so she wants to combine those thoughts with timeline jumping. And this has her wondering about something. For example, she says, I stopped supporting Disney on another timeline. Could they be quote good? I threw out Disney movies. Maybe I jumped, maybe I timeline jumped Maybe I jumped too soon, she says, <laughs> with a little bit of humor. And, and this is really, this is something interesting to talk about because, you know, it's, we're combining understandings that are meant to address certain nesting dolls that, that maybe are, is misqualified. For example, so we have all these nesting dolls that nestle inside of each other. And in the very center of our little nesting doll, we have the core reason why we're here, our 3D experience and our 3D experience, right? So everything in our 3D experience is a result of all these nesting dolls interacting with each other and, and, and playing out within our 3D field, right? So, so when she talks about um, not finding fault, good, bad, right, or wrong, um, this is specifically a trick to navigating a 4D field, the 4D field, because when we have a really strong emotion about something, if it's for it or against it, it doesn't matter. If we have a really strong emotional reaction to something, then we have a, um, we are contributing into the polarity game. We're contributing into the structure within the 4D field. Okay. So, um, so when we start bringing the idea about, the, the, the narrative about Disney being a, um, a perverted pedo farm, let's say that's <laughs> now we're talking about Disneyland, Disney World, Disney in general. I mean, there's all sorts of terrible um, narratives out there not depic depicting Disney as not a no bueno. Right. <laughs> so um, and she wants to withdraw support. So 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 there's always about luring things. Right. Um, it's it's never always just 
bad stuff. It's always really great stuff with perverted distortions woven within it. So, so is there a timeline where Disney is good? I think there's a better way of saying that. Is there a timeline where the intent behind its establishment is not to manipulate? Okay. And I'm going to say there's, you know, it's infinite possibilities. Yeah, sure. There's definitely a possibility. Are you close enough to that resonance to bring yourself over into that, into that timeline with your awareness? Maybe, maybe not. And this is how you can tell. So you have to go by your specific experience with whatever it is. In this case, it's Disney, right? You have to go with your specific data sets that you have. So we're told these stories, people are testifying about these stories, people are sharing these narratives and then showing us um, cooperation to back up their narrative. So they're showing us uh, evidence that their narrative is true. And, you know, this is all very easily manipulated. So, you know, you have to use your, your truth compass. You have to use your interdimensional compass. Like, oh, is this a manipulation too? I would say, even without the multidimensional perspective, I would say it does a lot of, it does good and it does harm. The main thing about the harm is, is that it's creating generations, a culture that builds an unrealistic expectation for women, little girls that grow up to be women, on what a real relationship is. Okay. It also give, puts very unrealistic expectation on the men too, as if they need to be Prince Charming. They need to be this. They need to be that. And the women, they need uh, girls. They they need to as they grow up, they need to be this or that. So, that alone is some is a reason for me personally to not encourage my my future generations to to participate. You know, to watch and engage, or you know, be inundated in those storylines. Now, watching a movie is fine, but I mean, you could you guys you guys have had kids. They become inundated in it, right? I mean, there's lots and lots and lots of TV, video games, um, toddler games, there's all sorts of learning games. I remember my daughter had something called um, oh, now I can't remember what it's called. It was a uh, it was a board where you color in letters and it sang songs as you color in these letters. And there was a lot of Disney themed workbooks that they can engage with. And um, oh, I wish I could remember what that thing was called. My oldest loved it, loved it, loved it. Anyway, so, so we have to realize that where we're at with these things, is it okay for our young minds, our young children, their minds to be engaged with those kinds of narratives. Maybe it's okay if you also have other kinds of storylines that counter that narrative so they can see the juxtaposition. And plus there's also your parenting, you talking to them, all right? So that's like, that's like a very mundane level of engagement as far as do I, have, do I um, boycott Disney or not, right? And then you have the, um, the so, uh, an additional social aspect, and that is the, the whole woke politics thing, right? Now, that one's really controversial. Where are we in that? Now, I'm a moderate. I, I've always considered myself a very moderate type person. And I'm, yes, I'm definitely for the, um, the, uh, the, the uh, K 
caretaking of this reality of nature and all this stuff. But there's a lot of other things that got woven into that, that I absolutely give me the creeps, <laughs> you know? So when I see um, them gauging in certain kinds of politics or like dirty games, it makes me say, hmm, yeah, I don't know if I really want to be supporting that, right? So if you have any of these things in your, in your awareness or in your engagement, you are that so many degrees away from the version of Disney that is, has that intent of being a pure, you know, pure intentions of uh, cultivating the minds of young people to grow up into healthy, well-rounded individuals, okay? So it's a mixed bag here, you have to decide. Like for example, my daughters, they love, love, love Snow White. They love Snow White so much, <laughs> you know? And every time I played that video, they would stand up and do the little dance. And it was, I had, I had fun watching them have their reaction, you know, to those sorts of things. Um, that was then. Now we fast forward to now. Now it's really critical that we do what we, what we know is in the truth for us, what is actually real for us, which means we need to support the things that we know are bringing wholesome wholesomeness into, into humanity that are truly have the intent to be a benefit of humanity, right? And then we also, it's a really important for us to stand up for our truth and what we really believe in and not be a doormat, you know, stuff like this. So, so these times are, it's up to us to figure out how we navigate as sovereign beings. So to, to going back to the question about good, bad, right, or wrong and timeline jumping, it's kind of like, it doesn't matter. That part doesn't matter. It really matters about the here and now and how you're feeling in the here and now about this particular dynamic, about this particular entity. We'll call it an entity because I believe they are a corporate entity, right? So, and this is how it is with everything that we're facing right now. So there's, there's good, take the good with the bad, take the bad with the good. How much of the distortion are you going to accept um, from something that brings a lot of good? You need to decide that inside of yourself. Does it feel really good to participate in something? And yet, you know, there's something about it that maybe you're not in full residence with, but over here, you're like, yes, I love this. This is amazing. And this thing over here, maybe not so much. Is that worth you, you investing your time and energy? Is it worth you supporting? Do you believe enough in this other piece to not really, you know, maybe do some inner work about this one piece that, that um, bothers you? Um, I actually have a great example. Very recently, I was introduced to a conscious community around here. And, uh, and they, uh, they screen people. They screen people who are they're going to offer, who they're going to offer, um, uh, getting land and property and, and building and stuff on this land. Um, the, whole, the whole thing is, the whole idea about this community is be completely sovereign from the systems that be. It's actually a really great model. But one of their questions in their questionnaire um, was, um, do you mind nudity? Do you mind nudity in public areas of the community, right? So I'm thinking about my experience when I went to Burning Man and I'm thinking about, you know, uh, different kinds of people. I, especially actually around here, there's a lot of people that are practically nude <laughs> all the time, right? Like their energy, like how do I feel about them being in the community kitchen? How do I feel about them in the dining room? I mean, I'm going to little places like experiences like that, like having, inviting them over. Are they going to bring a towel to sit on? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> if I'm going to lay my head somewhere where someone's, 
you know, junk with it. And do I, how do I feel about that? Right. So, so I started thinking, it's like, wow, you know, I love everything about the community, but it's actually a deal breaker for me that now, yeah, you know what, I don't want, I don't want naked people in the common areas of the kitchen and the dining room particularly. So would I compromise that? No, because it's pretty big deal. I really don't want, you know, say someone jumps up, sits on the counter where someone chops vegetables or something, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, that gives me the creeps. It's not that I have anything against naked people. I think it's fine. But, you know, certain places and times and, you know, there's a place and time for that. So, so, uh, so, so there's something like that. I love everything else about this, this, um, this community. And I'm going to tell them next time I, I'm, cause they're going to ask for my feedback. So I'm going to tell them, I love this. I love this. I think this part's perfect. I think this is a great idea. And I see the pros, the cons and that, but this piece right here, yeah, this is why I don't really want to invest all my money into it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me know how you, what you guys think about that. All right, all right, hold on a second. Let me say hi. A bunch more people have ju jumped in. Hey, Tony, good to see you. Hello, hello, Carol. Hey, Trick, uh, young Trick named Jim, Andrew. Uh, good, bad, right, wrong is black and white, and it and is a, yeah, it doesn't serve anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Disney is going to do what they do, and I'm going to do what I do. What I choose to do is thrive and watch. There we go. All right. And so remember, timeline jumping is also a 4D concept. And just because you're on one timeline, it doesn't mean you're on that train track for the rest of your life. You can jump timelines at, at will, depending on your frequency and where you are and what your intent is, right? So you're on this timeline for a while. Oh, okay, now more potentials show up that weren't there before. Now you're going to jump over to another one. And now, oh, look, there's even more potentials than there were before. Then you're going to jump around to another one. So, so you don't actually have to live your life on like the old style timeline, like a, like a arrow flying through the sky. You don't have to ride that, that jumbo jet. Uh, and that's the timeline you're on. No, 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 no. We are in this place. We're in this place of being the, the helicopter pilot, right? We can go up, we can go down, we can go back, we can go right, we can do this, we can do that, right? We have that choice. And as multidimensionals, we have that choice because our, we expand our awarenesses and we bring different nesting dolls of awareness that informs our reality. So say we expand and we do, we, we're on a particular track and this track is perfect for who we are and where we're at and we're going, going, going. Now we expand our consciousness to another nesting doll and another nesting doll and another nesting doll. And we bring all those nesting dolls into our reality. All of a sudden, all sorts of new timeline potentials become possible. And we're like, yes, I want that one over there. And right. And you, and you take action and you do that. And then you have even more growth, more nesting dolls you get, you expand into. And now you want to go into that. You, you see? So time is no longer a jumbo jet ride through reality. It's more of that helicopter ride. It's more of that, you know, you are the one with the, with the joystick navigating through reality. And, and we can create potentials that haven't existed before, okay, by expanding our awareness. That's a big one. And uh, a, another one that's been around for quite some time is soul retrieval, uh, repairing the wounds of your past. In, which heals your present, which gives you different potentials that are possible in the, for your future. So there's, there's that too that influences timelines. So, so it's a very fluid thing. It's not like a train on a track and it's, it's, it takes a lot of effort to jump from one timeline to another. It's not at all. Think of it more like a helicopter. Excuse me. All right. Beverly says, who wants to sprinkle, who wants a sprinkle of DNA 
in your salad, LOL. Okay. Um, and then we have, actually, there's so many different ways I'm taking that comment, Beverly. I, I think I might not be on the same track that, that you mean it by, but uh, I don't know. There's a few different ways I'm taking that. Some of them are quite humorous. All right, Drink Young Trick says, there are far more bacteria germs that can be transferred from clothes than to food. From I don't know about that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the most part, but okay. You ever see a naked person bend over? <laughs> that's actually that's all I gotta say, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I would not know as much as I do about that dynamic unless and if I didn't have that Burning Man experience, you know. And that's actually one of the protocols of being a polite guest if you're someone who's choosing to go nude. One of them is that you need to make sure that you carry a, um, a dish towel or a dish rag around with you. So when you come over and sit on people's beds or you sit on, you know, depending on where you're sitting, like be aware that, you know, other people might be face planting in that area later or whatever, you know. So it's actually um, a part of the official um, etiquette, proper etiquette of, uh, of naked behavior. And, and yeah, I would have never thought of that either. I mean, I wouldn't, but I mean, I'm telling you, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. All right, let me get on to this next one because this actually ties into the other piece that, oh no, it went away. Hold on, I got to get there. Oh my gosh, what synchronicity. Someone just posted a picture of a naked cowboy playing a guitar through the streets of New York City in the snow. <laughs> it's for real. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I had this this page up because there was a comment here I wanted to I wanted to get to. So hold on, I have to get to it now. I have to it didn't just draw it right up. Okay. So let's get to these comments here. Okay, okay, okay. Here it is. Okay, and this is from a dear starshine in Telegram named Emily, I believe. If I'm and her um her handle is Mraj. All right, so she says, Christina regarding going deep into ourselves as a way to navigate the matrix. This reminds me of a French channeler um, who talks about how humans have to open the door inside themselves to attune to higher frequencies in resonance with inner earth slash Agartha. Okay, so um, I'm gonna stop right there. And first, um, I need to add in that there's an understanding that there are many, 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 many realities within our planet not just Agartha, not just um, what people call inner earth. There's all sorts of interdimensional doorways. There's interdimensional um, uh, access, stargates. Um, there's all sorts of things in our planet. So the inside frequencies, the frequencies of what people call inner earth is vastly, it's way, it's, very, it's varied, let's say it like that. Um, you have the Hopi talking about the ant people. You have... Um, uh, the Ute talking about the Sasquatch, and then you have another other um, ancient cultures talking about the Yetis, and uh, I mean those are three different frequencies alone <laughs> of, of beings that are living in our inner Earth, and then there's many, many, many more even beyond that. But those are three ones that are well known within the indigenous lore for those of those who who study that, who pursue that, would know. 
Okay, so um, she says, in the same way that we live on the surface of Earth, we also are literally scratching the surface of our own evolutionary potential. And that our trajectory is ultimately to evolve enough to live in Agartha. Um, that the beings currently living there are our ancestors slash guides, but also our future selves. In the sense that they are way more evolved than us, i.e. fully heart-centered. And apparently all the planets in our star system had the same inner structure dimensions inside structure slash dimensions inside them too. Does this resonate with you? I'm curious about your relationship with the Sasquatch people and whether they echo this view. Thank you. Yes. This is a great, great question because there's so many layers to address here. Um, so remember everything is perspective. There's no one truth to interdimensional realities. <laughs> right there's no one truth to interdimensional realities it's always about perspective um, for example you'll have the narrative of the history of the planet from sasquatch beings very very different very very different than the written history of man granted yeah most of us know that the history that we have on this planet is always written by the winner and therefore is very slanted towards whatever the winner's agenda is that's true but then you also have um, timelines that are expressed that are not accurate and i think that that show that i talked about on netflix with graham hancock really really shows all the evidence not all the evidence, certain evidence very clearly on how timelines are not what we think and there's many beings that think that the Anunnaki slash giants that were influencing the ancient cultures um, were benevolent. And then you'll have another group of people that think that they were hijacking our consciousness and they, um, and they were planting seeds to limit our awareness. So, okay, which one, which one is real? Well, they're real for both, for both perspectives, okay? So, so remember, it's all about what perspective is resonating with you. If it's resonating with you, then there's something in there. There's something in that for you to discover about yourself, okay? So, um, so let me talk a little bit about Sasquatch, what they say about their history. Now, I, I, um, when I got exposed to their historic timeline, I'm telling you, it like my entire body was vibrating and I was just like, whoa 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 it was like mind blow after mind blow after mind blow it actually took me a while to come back out of this significant altered state back into this this state right the state of engaging in this kind of existence it was like completely triggering different different activating different things inside of me and it was just blowing my mind but one of the things that really stuck out for me was the beginning of the being that we call Earth, Pachamama, Gaia, um, of her, of the beginning of her existence after the split of Tiamat. Okay, so what's who's Tiamat? Tiamat is the version of Earth before any kind of um, defilement of consciousness happened. There was there's a story in Greek myth and actually many myths. Um, around the globe, ancient myths that Tiamat, there's a story of her getting split and one part of her became the earth as we know it now and another part of her became buried and locked away where no one can ever find her waters, okay? 
Now, since that story unfolded for me in a conscious way, I started going using that story to go deep in my own subconscious to start pulling pieces out and activating things. So, so I'm going to say that there's a, the waters of Tiamat are, are now free and there's a reunification going on on a, on a mass cosmic level, universal, even, you know, universal level that, um, that's a, a feedback loop of these waters being released. So, so there, that's outside of what the Sasquatch have talked about. Now what the Sasquatch talk about is that when the earth was first, when this version of the Pachamama was first um, orientating herself, um, she didn't spin. She did not spin when she went around the sun. She was, she was static. And on one side of the planet, it was a, a massive ocean. And on the other side of the planet, it was a desolate landscape. And there were two, two life forms that were seated. There was the fish people and the ant people. Fish people and the ant people. Just feel what your body does when I talk about this, right? Just notice what stirs. It could be subtle or it could be dramatic. Just, just notice what happens. And, and there was a, um, it took a very long time for, for beings to evolve in their consciousness as being incarnated as a fish person or as an ant person, right? So uh, a mask over many millions, millions, millions of years, there was a mass, massive uh, catastrophe and all life was wiped out. And then when that happened, the Pachamama realized in that moment that she really loved her creations. She loved her creations, okay? So then there was another seating that came. And again, it was the ant people and fish people. And they began, and, and she began to rotate this time as she traveled around the sun. And as she rotated, star beings were coming to, to seed additional life. And there was, evolution um, was getting uh, stimulated in the form of still fish people and ant people. And then there was reptiles that came. And there was there was um, an event that happened, and all life was all life was smashed out again, and this hurt her. Like there was this a deep heartbreak that was experienced by the Pachamama when this happened, and then there was another seating that happened, but this time, the landscape was much more friendly, and there started to be uh, like plant life and stuff like this. And then you had people like the Galactic Federation, Ishtar, uh, um, the Andromeda um, Alliance. You started having other kinds of star people come and seed life on the planet. And this is where humanoids start. This is where uh, uh, dinosaurs were introduced and other kinds of humanoids were introduced. And there were several seedings um, of, of life, plant life, animal life, insect life. There were several seedings of life. Now, the journey of the ant people is a long one and there there was a lot a lot of stuff in that history that i'm completely leaving out just because there's no way i can cover it here but do know that they they um experienced power over dynamics via um ai technology via um cyborg technology um via the very kind of cloning technology the very kind of stuff that the whole um 
gray zeta reticuli narrative in this current human timeline is experiencing. So they went through all that and they lost their queens and then they couldn't organically reproduce anymore. And then they all were wiped out again and then they were reseeded. Okay. So, so the evolution of the ant people is some, some of the oldest um, living records, according to Sasquatch, some of the oldest living records we have on, on this planet. And that, and this is why the stories that come from Hopi land, Navajo land, well, and I guess there's also some Ojibwe and other tribes that are further north that talk about this. This is why their stories are so significant because the memories that those stories are um, connected to go back to the very beginning of this version of the Pachamama. Okay. So, so our versions that we have and understand and believe their importance isn't just the story itself. It's, it's, it's the fact that it, can, it connects us to an origin that exists deep, deep, deep within our subconscious. So in this way, nothing is ever forgotten. Nothing is totally extinct. It always can be retrieved. Okay. All right, dear sister Starshine, Beverly says the book, The Cedars by Elena is a good book that outlines the history from two million years ago, main events, species, etc. Okay, great. So if you guys are interested in some alternative histories, that there's a book you can check out. All right, and Felicia says, I mean, instead of jumping. Uh-oh, was there a comment? There's a comment in here that I didn't, um, that I must have missed, uh, Felicia. Oh, Felicia, sorry. Um, okay, I, I missed a comment in there somehow. Okay, so uh, getting back to, so the inner journal, the inner journey, this realm, this three-dimensional realm that we have going on is a result of a fractured consciousness. And it is the souls that are incarnating here, this is not our first rodeo by any amount, by any stretch of the imagination. Many of us have had incarnational experiences as these different beings that I'm talking about in history of this planet. There's some of us who have memories of coming here long, long, long time ago, not as humans. Okay. I, I had a, uh, a hypnotherapy session way back, way back with a very, very evolved being, a breatharian actually. So, uh, so one thing about breatharians, they have, they have a, a pretty significant, if they're successfully, you know, um, transcended the need for physical sustenance, they have extraordinary levels of consciousness that they have access to. So when you do hypnotherapy or, you know, any kind of um, self-exploration work with someone like that, it takes you deeper than you normally would go with a normal human, right? So she was able to um, take me to a time where I was an amphibian. And I was an amphibian, a bipedal, humanoid amphibian, sort of like, but not in the physical form like we see it now. I was holding all of these realms on this planet in dream time. And I was uh, asked to hold that space while life evolved. So there are times where 
the consciousness on this planet holding this 3D space was highly, highly evolved, highly evolved, far beyond what we are now. And this is the story of, this is um, told to us in the story of the different Lumerians and Atlanteans never actually leaving this planet, but instead going inwards and establishing inner Earth cities, inner Earth civilizations, okay? So when we are, the, the, the issue that's going on now is that our DNA has been dumbed down in certain, in many different ways, and that's why this, three, this 3D experience has become incepted with a sickness. And that sickness is that we humans, rather than being the beautiful, innocent children of Earth that dream miracles into being, we, uh, we make war, we poison the waters, we, we kill each other, we kill life. We're, we become hardened warriors that, um, that have a value system completely bass-ackwards to what our true nature is. And that's because these additional beings came and wove their DNA in with ours. Hence the story of all these demigods that the Greek and Roman myths talk about, lore talk about, okay? I mean, it's, it even says in Wikipedia, I think it was, um, shoot, now I can't remember. See, I should look at these, I should look at this information before I talk about it. <laughs> I didn't plan to talk about it, that's why. Um, if you guys check out the work of Marguerite Rigoglioso, she is she's got a PhD in um, in uh, mythology, and she can tell she can draw you a very clear picture of all the stories of demigods coming in and uh, it having a significant impact on uh, human civilization. So you have um, oh okay Theseus, who Wikipedia actually says Theseus' parent um, father was Poseidon. Oh, and, and so when you read that, you think, oh, yeah, it's a myth. But Theseus, Theseus was a real guy, okay? So was um, Marcus Aurelius. He was a real guy. So was Alexander the Great. He was a real guy. I mean, these are real people that have been, that walked this planet and have impacted civilizations on this earth. And yet there is, it's, it's plain in front, sitting in front of us that it is suspected, it is said that their parents were a Greek god, like Poseidon, like um, Zeus, you see? So and, and who is Poseidon, who is Zeus? These are Anunnaki beings that were mating with women to incarnate. Why were they doing that? To seed their DNA within humanity, okay? They were doing that to seed their DNA within humanity. And they were not the only ones to do that. The Palladians did that. The Syrians did that. The Andromedans, several Andromeda nations done that. The Octorians did that. You see, lots and lots of beings have done that to seed their DNA into the human race. And when they do that, that consciousness that comes with that DNA sequence becomes one of the nesting dolls that informs our collective reality. Okay? So... A concept that we are evolving, that, you know, we are evolving to some place that we've never been before, such as the consciousness of the beings in inner earth, that is a perspective that is looking at the timeline that's maybe two million, three million years. But when you open up that timeline to, say, a few billion years and you start to realize, oh, we've been there before, we've been to that level of consciousness before, 
<laughs> it's just there was another cycle of evolution that came into that influenced the life on this planet. Um, I also had memories of being an Andromedan seeding the dinosaurs on this planet. And we were at that time watching the, um, this planet closely for beings that were evolving that had the potential to hold the spark of life within their consciousness. Hence what, what makes humans so special, so special. Okay. So, and we were looking at the reptilian, we were looking at the reptilian DNA because it had a lot of potential to be able to hold the spark of life within them. Now I'm not talking about the Draco reptilians, the ones from, from Draco and Orion, those aren't the ones we we're looking at. We were looking at ones that were indigenous, that indigenously evolved here on this planet. They lived in the ground, <laughs> you know, in a, in a realm next to or parallel to the ant people. And they were very interesting to, um, they were very interesting to, to seed. And so they were eventually seeded and they still exist in the inner realms of this planet from all those millions of years ago. So um, back to perspective. It's really important that we keep things in, in perspective. Whatever the perspective is that resonates for us, that's what's important. So if there's a perspective that you're hearing and you feel kind of cut off at the throat or a punch in the gut, okay, it could be that it has, there's, there's an aspect there that is either um, you've had some conclusions about that you're not in resonance with, or maybe there's something to resolve between you and that star nation, that, that particular frequency, that resonance. Because um, as soon as we start having, oh, the other thing it could be is that it's a distortion of a truth. And that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing we got to realize. It could be a distortion within the truth. And when, our, when we feel sick to our stomach listening to something or when things like, you know, when certain things are um, triggering, it's really important for us to get to the bottom of the trigger and not just say, oh, that gives me a pit in my stomach. It must be, it must be distorted, right? What I do is I go in with the assumption that it's all distorted, no matter what it is, that's, what, no matter who the being is that's, that's dispensing the information, no matter who the being is that's downloading or whatever, I'm going to just have the assumption it's distorted in some way. And that way, when I have these different pieces fire up, like uh, pain here or gut ache or headache or whatever, I am not throwing the baby out with the bathwater because I'm having an adverse um, physical response. I'm, I'm able to sit in a place that's not right or wrong, good or bad, but in a place of curiosity. What is it about this information that's making me sick? Is it challenging some idea of who I thought I was? Is it striking a, a wound that I have? Maybe I have an ancient vendetta with those particular beings. I don't know, but I'm curious to find out. And that way, if there's any gem in there, that, that is a, a profound truth that's going to activate me to a whole nother level, right? That's going to activate me to a whole nother level. I'm available for it. I'll show up for it. And, and that's as multidimensional is what we need to do because there's lots and lots and lots of beings. I mean, look, look in the night sky, look at all the stars in the night sky. All those are beings. All of them are beings and all of them have all of them, not all of them, but many of them have planets. 
managed in all the life there is on those planets, right? There's, there's many, many beings and they're, they're all there and they all have their own perspective. They all have their own agenda. They all have their own history, right? Some super connected, some not. So it's up to us as sovereign beings to figure out how to be in right relationship with all that and not wall ourselves off, but breathe, live and breathe with these beings so we can see what, what benefit does their knowledge bring me? What benefit does their version of history bring me? How does it expand me? How does it liberate something inside of me? How does it clean up a blind spot that I once had? And this is actually the main point of the Sasquatch on why they shared their history. So we can not only see how, how, um, how truncated you know, our timelines are in our history, but also so they can frame up this understanding frame up this understanding that when you have beings carrying the spark of life with, you know, multiple races, I don't, I'm not talking about black, white, red, or yellow. I'm not talking, I'm talking about species. When you have multiple evolved species interacting with each other, that is the quickest way to advance evolution. Okay. And a great example are the Sasquatch. Anybody who's had contact with Sasquatch, had to grow, had to heal their heart, had to, okay, they had to heal their wounding. They needed to be able to really open themselves up to the truth of who they were, who they are, in order to just have the interaction with the Sasquatch being, okay? You see what I mean? So that radically accelerated their, the evolution of their consciousness in a single lifetime in a biosuit by interacting with Sasquatch. Now, there's other beings that have been reaching out to humanity that, that have been living on this planet longer than this most recent seeding of humanity that are also reaching out. And that's um, the beings like the Yeti, inner earth beings, but they're found in the high mountains, right? Um, and then you have the ant people. They also, to interact with an ant person requires a, a, a highly accelerated evolution of consciousness in order to just have a conversation with them, just to have an exchange of ideas with them. For them to even come close to your frequency, you need to be somewhere in a particular spectrum where they can reach you. Um, another great example is ETs, the whole disclosure movement, right? A lot of people, you know, think about the mainstream human, doesn't, you know, they believe whatever, they, you know, they believe what the media is, they believe, you know, that, that they believe the world is what, what it is, <laughs> right? They're, they go to work, pay bills, do this, this is what this, now I'm an successful, successful human because I have all these things. And then, um, and then they have an ET experience that blows their freaking mind and they question everything they ever thought about their reality. And then they're on this wild journey. That, that, that interaction just sent them on this wild, wild journey. For many, it was traumatic, especially the ones in the old days. Um, There's so many people that have had like undeniable uh, contact experiences, such as they see a ship land, beings come out, interact with some other beings, then go back on the ship and take off. That's happened so many times that the, the, the people who witness that, um, because it's such an outlandish tale, they get made fun of, they get shamed, and you know what I mean? But they know what they know. They refuse. They refuse to make themselves wrong because they know what they saw. They stick to their guns. And somehow that led them on, the, on a path that helped them evolve in their evolution. Okay, in their consciousness evolution. Now that there's, 
Now it's undeniable. Everybody's coming out talking about ETs and UFOs. We have our government who's officially acknowledged that we have a, um, a technology mining department within our Pentagon that, that is mining technology of ETs, right? <laughs> That's publicly acknowledged. We have um, all the work of Dr. Greer, who, who's done extraordinary work. I mean, I think he's controlled opposition, but still he's done extraordinary work to get the word out there to people so they understand that we're not alone. And then you have all the lore out there. I mean, there's, there's Indian lore, and I'm not talking about native um, indigenous tribes. I'm talking about Indians in India. It is in their sacred text, the Bhagavad Gita, that the that um, Krishna and you know the different beings and deities that are in their pantheon came in a chariot of fire. They talk about their chariots of fire, and, and they and they have depictions and drawings of these interdimensional beings and you landing. And I mean, so in the Indian culture, ET UFO, yeah, no big deal. It's been happening for tens of thousands of years. Right? It's mainly the Westerner that's blown away by the thought that there could be ETs. But circling back around to the point, the point is, is when you are interacting with those levels of consciousness, you are radically, start radically accelerating your personal growth, your, your capacity, you're expanding your consciousness, you're expanding your aware of what you can be aware of. You see what I mean? Huge, huge, huge. Um, I remember way back when, when I started working with the Palladians, I didn't tell anybody because I thought everybody was going to think I was crazy, but, um, but they worked with me a lot and they would bring friends after they worked me with me. Then Syrians started coming, showing up and then an Andromedan started showing up and then, you know, it just kind of kept evolving, evolving, evolving. And until next thing you know, well, here I am and I have a whole entourage of, of interdimensional ET beings that I talk to and work with and, you know. Uh, sometimes align with, depending on what the uh, purpose is. So, and it's all about us becoming multidimensional humans so we can rejoin the galactic community, okay? We can rejoin the galactic community and make informed decisions for humanity, okay? And how do we make those decisions? We make the decisions inside of our heart, inside of our heart space, okay? Like years and years ago with the um, harmonic convergence, collective this is in the 80s late 80s collectively humanity put out a massive transmission from within their heart space that they wanted peace they wanted peace they chose peace and that echo went through the dimensions through the realms and now we have beings very high level interdimensional beings coming to this planet from stars but also from below from inner earth to help us to add nesting dolls, actually, let me say it a different way, to add nesting dolls into our perception of reality. So now timelines of peace are now possible. Potentials that were never, were never possible before are now possible because of these beings bringing these additional nesting dolls of consciousness to our 3D realm, to us who are creating this 3D realm with our, with our beingness, okay? Does it make sense how I'm saying that? And that is the big agenda of the Sasquatch. It's not necessarily to take us into inner earth. It's to awaken humanity to our bigger potential. So this can become a paradise in which beings can incarnate in and not get lost. And instead of getting lost, they can come incarnate and radically advance their consciousness by their interactions with other highly conscious beings 
that are in different biosuits that are different species. Think about, you know, um, the, you know, the different movies like Star Wars and stuff like that and the bars in, in Tatooine or the bars wherever where they showed there's a whole bunch of species. Now they dumbed it down and turned it into like this, this you know, violent um, criminal kind of, kind of thing. But that's, that's, not really, that's not really what the result is. The result is people highly becoming highly evolved in their understanding and their awareness of who they are as beings in a biosuit, but then also who they are as infinite beings in a biosuit. All right, dear sister Starshine says, this is Beverly, she says, those nesting doll creations help their civilizations too. Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. It, it makes potentials that weren't possible before possible. And, you know, this is what this is what the pre Mesoamericans were doing with their with with their cultures. OK, so, you know, so I've been going around to the different sacred sites here. How much time do I have left? OK, I only have a couple minutes. I'll try to make this one short. Oh, I didn't get to talk about those earth changes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. OK, two minutes is not long enough to dive into it. I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'll pick up the earth changes. Um, conversation uh, next week because that, that's something really important. So, because we need to understand that our being, our consciousness as a collective res in resonance has an influence over the kinds of things that happen with this planet. So, this 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 catastrophe mentality is an option. It's not the inevitability. That's so important for us to understand. It's an option. It's not inevitable because everything is conscious. We're conscious. You're conscious. These plants are conscious, right? They're every, it's all consciousness. Um, but let me, um, I'll get to that comment and then I'm going to say this one piece about these ruins. So I'm, I'm traveling through Mexico, through the Yucatan, through Quintana Roo, right? And I'm going to these different sites and I'm observing the writings, the glyphs, the styles of buildings. And there are ancient ruins here that have a completely, completely different style of architecture than other ruins, like one like Chichen Itza, the ones that we call Mayan, right? Um, and, and what I'm realizing that these are different seated humans. These are different star beings that have seeded the human culture. So Mayan is a particular human culture that was seeded by um, like a Palladian consciousness. Then you have the Inca that was seeded by um, a Maru, which was a, uh, a serpent consciousness. Now, I think more like it's Quetzalcoatl, right? It's the plumed serpent, that kind of consciousness. And then you have these other beings, these other ruins that I was at, like Oxmal and um, Kaba, that are seated by Assyrian consciousness. And it's reflected in the architecture. It's reflected in the artwork and in the writing. And, uh, and, what I, and there was one particular complex that I saw that was blowing my mind, man. And it took me a while to get it all together and to integrate it. And what I realized what was going on is that the pyramid, which is a very unusual pyramid, it had rounded edges, it wasn't, didn't have corners at all, was, um, was acting like a, um, a cup, a receptor for a, a um, highly, a highly um, high dimensional being, let's say it like that, be received and then given a seat within this, within another structure that was right in front of it. And this was like a coliseum where a whole bunch of those kinds of beings would come together and sit. And when they came together and sit, they were bringing nesting dolls of consciousness with them, 
right? And then you had all of these extra high level interdimensional fields available. And now they can now potentials, they can now navigate potentials that were not there before without those beings being present. And then once they do that, they, they, uh, you know, those potentials are there and then they would anchor in the potential that they felt would, would serve that culture, serve that reality that, um, I'm sorry, I'm saying this wrong, serve the people. Okay. It was always, it seems like it was always for the highest good of the people. They really wanted to keep this evolution moving forward. They really wanted to keep this, this, um, this society, um, harmonically moving forward. And I, and it feels like it was in service of the Pachamama. It was in service of reawaking the Pachamama. And, um, there is some kind of connection with Tiamat, but I haven't really put all that together yet. Um, so, and then when the, uh, potential was anchored in, those beings would return to the, um, to the receptor and go back to where they came from. And I think this is expressed to us in the stories of the star elders. Okay, star elders. These are beings that don't have a physical form, but they are an extremely high interdimensional consciousness. Okay, I'm going to read Young Trick named Jim's comment, and then um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. All right, so Dear Brother Starshine says, Speaking of shame, I wonder where the aversions to nudity is coming from. Covering our bodies was, was created specifically due to shame. Do we have, do we have shame or do we have, or do we appreciate our infinite bio suits? Well, I think it's a perspective. I think, or, um, I think it's a, what do you call it? It's a, um, spectrum. Okay. So when you see indigenous, indigenous folks, like say in the jungle, different tribes like this, there's no shame. Now an outside Westerner brings the shame in their own awareness, right? And they, and they pass judgment because of their own personal conditioning, their own personal uh, programs, right? But yeah, certainly, but if you see somebody, if you see an indigenous walking around naked, their energy is very, very different than when you see a Western person walking around naked. And I don't, I don't mean people who like nudists and stuff because they, they, they embrace this in the, in the way that they know and it's all fine. I'm talking about people who, who um, push the envelope because uh, a lot of the nakedness I have seen isn't an expression of purity. It's expression of, of getting attention. They want attention. They're, they're kind of like, um, there's a, there's a, um, an emotional something hungry inside of them that wants attention and they do they do things like that to do it it's like a power game i guess that's the way to say it so it's a spectrum here if you see someone naked with no shame and there's no and it's just a healthy them being them you know it's almost like no big deal that they're naked but there's other people that do that and it's it's like a major thing right it's because there's another reason it's not just they're being healthy and expressing their um their a healthy expression of their bio suit so there's that there's a spectrum in there um yeah there's a massive you know what this is probably something we'd have to talk about in a chat because there's so many layers to that um i feel like i feel like i can tell pretty clearly because i get like this creepy feeling when certain people are doing it for attention 
versus other people are doing it just because that's their that's a freedom that they're enjoying. It's a, like they're liberated inside of themselves. You know, when it's a liberation process, it's like not really that it's not a big deal. Um, and when it's a when it's, you know, a spectrum, you know, as that spectrum goes to this other side and it turns into this control um, attention grabbing process, then, you know, then I start to feel like I get like a kind of feeling inside. Well, you can't see where my hands are, but in, like a little bit below my, my xiphoid process, I start to get like a yucky kind of feeling. So it really depends on who they are and why they're doing it. I saw this really great picture. Actually, I have a movie you guys see that, that shows the example of this. Or, or I'm going over, but I want, I want you guys to check this out. It's a movie from the 80s, so sorry, it's going to be kind of cheesy, but it's called The Emerald Forest. It's called The Emerald Forest, okay? And there's some storylines within storylines of this movie, but a side storyline is that there are these um, guys, that these workers that are building a dam in the jungle to dam a river so they can build this really big city. And I can't remember the name of the city, but it's somewhere in Brazil, okay? And one of the, um, one of the architect's sons ends up getting kid kidnapped from unintentionally, um, well, intentionally, but unintentionally kid kidnapped. And he was adopted by the tribe and pretty much grew up as one of them for, for years and years and years. And then when he came to adulthood, there was a scenario that the, the, the people, the, the society was encroaching on their territory because they were cutting down all this jungle. And um, one of the sidelines was is that they were kidnapping the girls. They were kidnapping the girls from the tribes and putting them in these like, um, like sex, sex slavery kind of situations where they like dress them up kind of like hookers, put makeup on them and heels and their boobs all pushed up and, you know, these skimpy clothes. And they were put on display for these men to like, you know, grope and, and do all these things, you know, and they, and you can see like uh, the, 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 these were real indigenous women in these actor and actor roles, actress roles. Right. And you can just see in the body language, it just, it's like, yuck, this yuck experience. Right. So eventually as the other part of the storyline unfolds, him and his brothers were able to get those girls out of that situation. And as soon as they did, they get them out of the situation. They, they take them into the jungle. And then the women, they just start taking off these clothes. They just taking them off like, yuck, like, yuck. And wiping off their makeup and taking the shoes off. And, they, and then when they were um, um, naked and barefoot again in the jungle, they were like, oh, I'm home. And they all ran back to their, to their new village. So I think that exemplifies what you're trying to say there, um, Young Trick. And it's called Emerald Forest. It's in the 80s, 88 maybe, might even be earlier. So be prepared for, be, be prepared for it to be pretty cheesy. <laughs> but it's a great story. It's a really great story. And also it's a story of the, of the magical use of hape, if you guys are familiar with that plant medicine. All right, darlings. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is so much fun chatting with you guys today. Um, I will try to continue. If I, if I remember, if other pressing things don't come up, I'll continue about the catastrophe thing and uh, we'll talk more. Um, thank you so much for uh, just helping me keep these topics at you know, such a high level and where, where, how we discuss things. Um, if you guys want to uh, support us on social, on social media channels, you know, like and comment and share, do all those things. And that helps the algorithm, helps us get seen so other multidimensionals like you can find us and, 
and submit their thoughts and questions and join the conversation like you guys are. And, uh, and also I want to, uh, invite you guys into the Dreamtime healing project. For those of you who feel so drawn, there's massive shifts happening in the collective and it is showing through our Dreamtime. And, um, the Dreamtime healing project is a great, great way to, um, to tune in and, 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 um, unravel the blind spots so you can take, do your part on a much higher level than maybe you already are, or join a community and, um, and uh, doing your part and dreaming the world into being a world that, that we want. Okay, and you can find that at um, lightbodyacademy.com, a Dreamtime Healing Project. Love you guys. Mwah. Until next time. Bye bye. <laughs>